welcome to another episode of PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Sobolewski, and today we're going to talk all about the flu, specifically how to talk to patients and families about the flu. This episode is a series of questions and answers that I conducted with a colleague of mine, Dr. Patricia Chambers, who has a special interest and expertise in communicating with patients and families. So let's take a listen. So as a matter of full disclosure, uh, Dr. Chambers and I have known each other for quite a few years. She was actually my senior resident when I was an acting intern back at Pitt Med earlier this millennium. Mm. Um, so ultimately, though, what I do know about Patricia is that she is an expert at talking to patients and families. And I'm delighted to have her on the podcast today because I think there's a lot that you can learn, not just about talking with patients and families about the flu, which is very popular this time of year, but also in general about wait times and some of the challenges around testing and not testing in the ED. So, Patricia, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into the questions that I have prepared. Absolutely. Well, hello, and Brad, thank you for having me. Uh, so I am Patricia Chambers, and I'm an emergency medicine attending at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. And uh, my area of academic interest is in the uh, patient experience, as well as um, communication between doctors and patients. Um, and I'm just thrilled to be here to talk with you all about influenza, and more importantly, about communication with families around influenza. Perfect. Thank you. I, I think the first question, especially now that we're in the middle of winter, um, that is in most families' minds because, you know, we have to think about what's happened to them before they actually get into the exam room is how do you approach the family when they ask you, like, why were we waiting so long or what took so long or why were we in the, the waiting room for three hours? Yeah. So wait time is a big deal in the emergency uh, department and across the country, people experience long wait times, especially in cold and flu season. Um, it's a frustration, right? Because every family comes to the ED because their child is the most important thing in their world. And to them, a wait communicates that we don't care about you. And so I like to approach families, first of all, with a preemptive strike sometimes. Hi, I'm Dr. Chambers. Um, I recognize that you've been waiting a really long time to be seen, and I'm so sorry for your wait. How can I help you tonight? And then I launch into my talk. If they get more specific about why are we waiting, I go on to explain, man, it's cough and cold season, and a lot of families are worried about their kids, and so um, the doctor's offices are overwhelmed with volume, and as a result, the ED becomes very uh, congested. And so uh, a lot of times there's a long wait to be seen. Uh, but again, now that I'm here, I want to do my best to help you. And I think the interesting part about that is often families will reflect on their previous experiences, and they'll say, Man, the last time I was here, I waited three hours, and they told me that my kid was fine, and they did nothing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which I'm certain that something was done, but what's kind of hidden in that comment, not so subtly, is, you know, maybe the parent didn't get a test that they expected, or maybe, you know, their pediatrician had said, well, go to the ER, and they will do this thing, and that thing wasn't done. And when it comes to the flu, you know, many times we can make a clinical diagnosis of this disease. Um, and parents will ask, well, my uncle got tested for the flu, so why are mm -hmm. you not doing a test on my kid? So this goes to an important conversation to have with parents. Not every child needs to be tested and treated for the flu. Both the CDC and the Infectious Disease Society of America have 
have guidelines that indicate that children in a high-risk group or really a higher-risk group need to be tested and treated for the flu. This is going to be children less than two years of age, children with chronic medical problems, um, chemotherapy, asthma, heart conditions, etc. For the vast majority of children who do not fall in that higher risk group, no testing is needed because you can make a clinical diagnosis of influenza. This is confusing to parents, though, because when you look at the media and the media streams and, and what happens to other family members, um, widespread testing of the flu as flu testing methodologies have become more available and more accessible are rampant. And so I like to tell parents, I do my physical exam, and then I say, you know, based on the exam of your child today, it is very likely that your child has influenza. The good news is that in a otherwise healthy child who has vital signs in a physical exam like your child, there will be a full recovery, and in general, we don't recommend testing or treatment. A lot of times parents will ask, well, why did my aunt or uncle or why did my cousin's kid get tested? And, and again, that's where you have the shared decision-making conversation, right, where I, where I explain to them, testing isn't going to change anything that we need to do today because your child looks so well and is well hydrated. There is the treatment option with Tamiflu, which we can explore if that's something that you really feel strongly about. But in general, for healthy kids who are not in a higher risk category, symptomatic care, which we're about to talk about, is what is indicated. But having that conversation, letting the elephant in the room be spoken, which is that their expectation is that they need to be tested and treated for the flu and explaining to them why your evidence-based guidelines are aligning with the reservation of those testing and treatment for higher risk groups is a really important part of, of care. Right. I mean, it gets to the fundamental nature of what we do. We should be great at communicating with families about why we do what we do, whether we test or don't test, it should make sense, right? And all families want to do is for us to do our best job and for them to take care of their kids. And traditionally, they might view that as do the test that tells me that my kid's okay. But sometimes the test is the physical examination. It's the period of, of observation. So what should we do if we do elect to prescribe antivirals for a patient with the flu? So I think if you are electing to use Tamiflu either because the patient is high risk or because the family's personal preference or risk tolerance is such that they they want Tamiflu, it's important for them to go in with eyes wide open. Tamiflu is not like an antibiotic for a virus. It works um, in a different mechanism of action. It's going to reduce viral shedding. It may shorten symptom duration by a day or so, but it's not going to quote unquote cure the flu. So they need to know going into it that this is not a miracle. Second of all, families need to be aware of the side effect profile and the cost of administration. Um, so let's talk about cost of administration. It's not free to get a medication and it's not free to have the time to administer the medicine and then there can be significant side effects. The most common one being vomiting, but people have reported neuropsychiatric effects as far as hallucinations, difficulty sleeping, even psychotic behavior with antivirals. And so it's important for families to realize that if we are going to treat, they should be prepared for the fact that the child might not like the taste of the medicine, the child might not be receptive to taking the medication, or there could be side effects such as vomiting or um, other side effects. Great points. And I think we're fortunate that the vast majority of children that we see are healthy and they will completely recover from the flu and are appropriate for discharge home from our emergency departments and urgent cares. Uh, and especially in the situations in which it's 
not appropriate or recommended to give antivirals, a lot of parents are like, well, what do I need to do at home? How, how can I mm -hmm. take care of this kid? He's going to be miserable. Yeah. And again, this is where we have a golden opportunity to address the most common things that parents are worried about to hopefully assure them that they're going to be able to take care of their child at home and to steer them away from uh, medications that either have uh, questionable efficacy or even can have deleterious side effects. So I tell all my patients and families the same thing. I want you to go home. I want you to rest. I want you to hydrate. I want you to be drinking enough that you're urinating at least once every eight hours, hopefully more. Tylenol and ibuprofen, you can take those scheduled and around the clock, but make sure you're keeping a good log of who gave what medicine to which child at what time because it can get very confusing with the sleep deprivation that comes along with having sick children at home. And then, of course, a careful review of the reasons to come back to the ED and reassuring them that if they do feel like their child is getting worse, if they need reassurance that their child is going to recover okay, that really we do welcome them to come back. We just can't promise that there won't be a wait. So specifically, what are some of the things that parents should be looking for that should prompt a return visit to the emergency department? So the most important thing to watch for would be difficulty breathing. Uh, pneumonia is a common comorbidity with the flu. And so if a child is having excessive cough, ongoing high spiking fevers, panting to breathe, we would want them to return to the emergency department. In addition, dehydration um, is a concern in the patient with influenza. And so if the child is refusing to drink or is not drinking enough to have adequate urine output, we want them to come back to the emergency department. And then finally, level of activity. When the child has a high fever, they're going to feel miserable and they're not going to want to move around. But after appropriate weight-based dosing of antipyretics, the child should perk up and want to play. If the child is not waking up, if the child is not playful, if they're not willing to drink, if they're having difficulty breathing, that's when we need to see them back in the emergency department. The kids who are diagnosed with the flu in the ED need to go and follow up with their primary care doctor? Recovery from the flu can be a very stressful time for families. I generally recommend a check-in with their regular doctor so that the ears can be examined, the lungs can be listened to, and the parent can be further reassured that the child is on the path to recovery. And it's sometimes the flu feels like it will never end or there's this interminable length of symptoms. So what should we tell parents about when it's okay to send their kids back to school and when can they mitigate some of their concerns about missed work and other things that are very impactful to the family? So children should stay home until they're fever-free for 24 hours. After that, they can return to school, understanding that the other symptoms, such as congestion and cough, can last for several weeks. And one final question for you, and, and this is kind of a personal one because I have three children. Many parents wonder, and I do as well, you know, what should I do if our other children get sick? Because number one got the flu, and number two and three are going to get the flu as well, right? Oh, Brad, it's the golden question. So really, I oftentimes tell parents, do your best to practice good hand hygiene. You can wipe your surfaces down. That said, a lot of times by the time the symptoms of the flu become evident, the disease has already been spread to the other family members. Any final words of wisdom for the listeners? So for all of the healthcare professionals caring for children during flu season, remember to be kind and compassionate because families are there because they're worried about their child that they deeply love. And then also remember to show yourself grace because high volumes of patients combined with the stress of trying to make sure that everyone is safe can really wear on a person. Do your very best and then leave it at the door.
Patricia, you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Brad. Well, that's all for this episode of Pem Kearns, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Podcast. If you've got the time, I'd love if you can leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast site. The feedback will help tremendously. Follow me on Twitter at PemTweets or check out the Facebook page. And get more great educational content on PemBlog.com. And finally, I truly do think that perhaps the most important thing we do in the emergency department is to communicate with patients and families. There's likely somebody just as skilled as Dr. Chambers that you work with at your institution. Seek them out and learn from their experience. I hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.